0: Yesterday, it was my graduation ceremony. It was a lovely day, and it was it was great. And um, it was it was interesting. You turn up to the, the the venue, and you see all the tutors. And depending on what their rank and specialism, they've got various coloured gowns. And some of them are absolutely hideous. <laughs> and as Joe and I were walking up to the venue, which was it was Trinity Baptist Church in Croydon, beautiful church, lovely, lovely venue. Um, uh, two of my lecturers were actually walking down the road in their various gowns and their hats, and they looked they looked just ridiculous, wandering along. I said, I, I said, I said, gents, lovely to see you, but what on earth are you doing?" I said, "This is Croydon. Have you got a death wish or something?" Um, and they explained they were looking for a Starbucks. I said, "Couldn't you?" Have? <laughs> we were like a coffee every now and then, but surely you could have de-rose before you came out. But um, anyway, we had the we had the ceremony, and um, it was it was great. I had the moment you walk up on stage, shake a few hands, get given what I thought was was my certificate. And I got home, and last night Joe suddenly said, "Go on then, open open the scroll." And I thought, "Oh yeah, great, brilliant," and. Um, it's kind of, it's got the, the, the structure of a, basically a, a toilet roll when you get to the last few sheets. Um, but it's got caps on each end, like a Smarties tube, if you, if you follow me. Um, and so I picked it up, and the middle fell out. And so I had this sheet of paper with the nice ribbon wrapped around it, and I thought, great, you can have that bit, Joey. So I gave her that, and I carefully opened the ribbon and unrolled this blank piece of paper. I thought, what? And Joe said, don't be silly. I'm not going to put that on the outside. It might get, might get marked or something. So it's going to be on the inside. I'll open it, shall I? So she, she, she's no stranger. The tubes are smarties. She got the, the end off, tipped it out, and inside there was a letter saying, congratulations on your result. Your certificate will be ready within one to two months. <laughs> and the reason I'm telling you that is because when Colin shared about how we can sometimes forget the certainty of our identity in Christ is because when I went to college, I didn't think for one minute I was capable of of getting the results I got. And I've worked really hard, and I'm I'm pleased with that. But until I see it actually on the certificate, there's a bit of me that thinks I'm going to get a letter through saying we've made a mistake. Until I see that certificate, until I've got that tangible evidence... I can't quite accept it. And when Colin said, we need to be reminded of the certainty that our identity is in Christ. And we need to make sure that we don't <laughs> lose sight of that and that we, we hold that pre- as precious as precious as it is. We hold it with such high esteem that we allow our whole identity to be moulded by our relationship with Christ. It just struck me that sometimes I'm the same with my relationship with Christ as I am with my relationship with my degree. I don't quite believe it because I I know I'm not worthy of it. But of course, we're not worthy of it. But through the grace of God, we are still saved. We can still say that we are, our identity is. In Christ, we are children of God. But of course, that doesn't mean that life's going to be a bed of roses. That doesn't mean that when we come along to a celebration service on a Sunday evening, we come and automatically flick the switch from, 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 from misery to celebration. It doesn't work like that, does it? We can't just adjust ourselves to, to suddenly think, right, So, a celebration service, that's what it says on, on the notice sheet, therefore I must, uh, I must adjust my attitude make sure I go with an attitude of celebration. I'm going to walk into church and smile and have my arms in the air and be singing out because we don't always feel like that. Sometimes we do, and that's brilliant. And there are times, of course, when when um, you know Christmas or Easter or baptismal services or, or harvest or, or something like that, when, when we do come in with an attitude of, of corporate celebration. But, of course, even on those days, even at those times, there'll be people who come in not quite feeling it. But when we have services like this, it's difficult to gauge where people are at. And so what the passage that I've chosen to to look at tonight comes from Ecclesiastes. And it's the opening of Ecclesiastes chapter three, and many of you will be very familiar with these words. So I'm just going to read the passage and then we're going to look at it in a bit more detail with an attitude of celebration. a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. It's a passage that's full of challenges to the Christian faith because there are some there are some times there that are prescribed we're told there is a time for this and we think no surely not there shouldn't be a time for that but the passage opens by saying there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven and of course those last two words of that opening verse are the key aren't they Because we can look around the world and we can can allow ourselves to be almost overwhelmed by by the, the, the misery and the bad news and the fear and the threat that can surround us sometimes. But, but, if we allow ourselves to be overwhelmed, we're losing sight of what those two words at the end of that opening verse remind us of. A season for every activity under heaven. Because... Sometimes our God is too small. We allow our perception of God to, to, to go from being this the, the creator of all things to getting smaller and smaller and smaller and we limit him and limit him and limit him. And that's when we don't feel much like celebrating, because suddenly the problems and fears that surround us in the world are bigger than the God in whom we trust. And therefore our fear becomes bigger than our God. Our problem becomes bigger than our solution. Our question becomes bigger than our answer. Every activity, every activity is under heaven. Everything that happens, God sees. God knows. God can see the, the big picture from from the start of time to the end of days. God knows. so there is a time for everything. There is a season for every activity under heaven. Now I'm no gardener, but I was, had the privilege of being a parent helper on a school trip to Hyde Hall on Friday. It was, a, it was a great day, loads of fun. One of the activities the children had to do was to plant a pea in a little newspaper cup, a bit of earth, put the pea in, passage it down, and we're told when you get home, water it. And one of the children said, I'm away for the weekend. What if, what if, what if the peas come up? What if the plant grows? And the, the lady running the session, who, who was excellent, she said, oh, it, it will take longer than that. It will take a long, long time. There was a look of disappointment on this child's face. Because when we, when we plant something, we want to see the results, don't we? When we, when we run an activity at church and suddenly... The following week, all the people who came or all the people that we went out and spoke to or all the houses to which we delivered leaflets and the people we spoke to, none of them, none of them come back and we think, oh, that's was a waste of time. Because we're like that child who says, if I plant it now, tomorrow the peas will come up. No, they won't. It will take a long time. We're all in the business of, of planting peas. We're all in the business of planting seeds. But you see, there is a time, there is a season to plant, and that season is different for everybody. There is also a season to uproot. There is a time when someone will will walk into church and say, I want to know God now. Now's the right time in my life. I've reached the point where whatever I've been through, whatever I'm facing now, God's called me to come to church. Suddenly, we realise that God is in control of the whole thing. We may plant a seed and we may get frustrated that we don't see the fruit, we don't see the growth. We don't even see a tiny little sprout for, for, for months and year after year. And it may be that the person in whom we've planted the pea disappears. They move away. But our faith is in a God who rewards the planting and one day will harvest the fruit. It's shocking, I think, sometimes when we read in in Scripture that there is a time to kill and a time to heal. Well, the healing bit, yeah, all for that, definitely. But a time to kill? Sorry, Lord, I'm not sure I'm entirely comfortable with that. But, of course, we quite happily read the story of David and Goliath. There was a time for David to go and take that stone and take that slingshot and hurl that stone at the one who was standing there, mocking the people of God challenging God by challenging God's people. There was a time to kill. So these words aren't shocking. But of course, there is a time to heal. I'm not suggesting for one minute that for any of us, today is a time to kill. But I am suggesting that Jesus was the healer, the great healer. Through His Spirit, we too can can pray for those that need healing. We should be emboldened to, to 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 use the Holy Spirit in us, to use the power of the Holy Spirit to pray for people. We've got a worship leader at the moment on one leg. We should be praying for Christine wherever she is. You've made it all the way over there. Okay, she appears to be getting better. Pray. <laughs> but you see, we many of us have different ailments, different problems we need healing how often how often do we wait for test results and doctors appointments before we ask for prayer sometimes we get these things the wrong way around there is a time to tear down and a time to build now that's that can be interpreted in many different ways sometimes it's it is building Sometimes it is tearing down our values. Sometimes it is tearing down our prejudices. Sometimes it is tearing down relationships that are harmful to us. But there is always a time to build as well building fresh relationships, establishing ourselves in in new friendships where where we can further the kingdom of God. There is a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Life is not necessarily easy. Even Jesus himself when he saw his friend Lazarus had died, Jesus wept. Jesus felt sadness. He sobbed just like any of us would. There is a time to mourn, but there is a time to dance. There is a time to celebrate. But the the most important thing for a Christian is that there is a time to listen. There is a time to to work out what our response should be. When we talk to people, as we build relationships, when we get to know people and we get to to hear their stories and learn their situations, we realise that actually they've been through seasons that, that we can't necessarily relate to, but God always can. Sometimes we'll be going through, through a season when, when we just want to be mourning and weeping and, and sad and, and we just feel so empty. And we can look around us and see people who appear to be going through a season of utter joy and you think, Lord, why? Why am I feeling like this? But that's because this is the season we're going through. There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under heaven. Those seasons are different for you and for me and for everybody else in the world. We go through these different seasons. A time to scatter stones, a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. You've only got to read the book of Acts to see the way that the church was, was scattered. The way that those disciples meeting in Jerusalem were suddenly persecuted and they scattered. And it was like dropping a, a stone into a mill pond as the, as, as the effect, as the church spread, as the news of the gospel spread after that day of Pentecost, after that, after that persecution in Jerusalem, after the stoning of Stephen, suddenly, suddenly, going from being this meeting of people in this one specific place, suddenly, the Great Commission began. And it began from persecution. It began from a place of weeping, a place of mourning, a place of fear. But there was a time to scatter those stones. And there will be a time when those stones are gathered back in. There will be a time when when Jesus returns, when he calls his people home. And because of that identity that we spoke about earlier, we will answer that call and we will return home with our Father in heaven. A time to embrace and a time to refrain. (laughs) I can identify with that one. I am not a hugger. I always... I always sort of shy away when I walk into church and you run the gauntlet and you try and sort of dodge the huggers before you can get to a seat. <laughs> but there are times, aren't there, when you see someone and you think, yeah, I need that. Sometimes we will we need to be hugged. We will need to be held. Not every week, necessarily. But sometimes we have to We have to be, be humble and say, I can't do this on my own. I need someone to lean on. I need an arm around my shoulder. I need someone sharing this burden. A time to keep and a time to throw away. I can be a bit of a hoarder sometimes, and Joe certainly isn't. And so often I walk in and I say, Joe, have you, have you seen that, that newspaper I was keeping from three months ago? And she said, it went in recycling two months ago. I was going to read that when? No, you weren't. And she's absolutely right, of course. You see, my time to keep is, is, is pretty much 90% of the time, but Joe's time to throw away um, is, is also 90% of the time. So as it is, she tends to win that battle. Actually, it's more serious than that, isn't it? Because we can all hang on to things. We all go through experiences in life and have have falling outs with people where we we hang on to them and we're bitter. And every time we hear that name mentioned, we hark back to, to what they said to us 10 years ago. And that's not the Christian way. That's not forgiveness. We can all improve at learning what is the time to keep and what is the time to throw away. Because one day we'll stand before God in judgment and Jesus will intercede for us. And because Jesus, through his grace, intercedes for us, God won't say, let's go go through this whole list of transgressions, shall we? Let's talk about each and every single one and and then reconsider whether or not I should let you into heaven. That's not the way it will work because Jesus intercedes for us. God doesn't hang on to our past, and nor should we. There's a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak. How many of us are truly good at listening? It's often been said before that we were given one mouth and two ears. And we should remember that ratio when we use them. We should spend twice as much time listening as we do speaking. And yet so often we, in a conversation, we're simply waiting for the other person to finish talking so we can jump in with our point, rather than listening and absorbing and reflecting on what's just been said to us. Listening is a skill which we're losing, which we, we we don't cling on to. We want answers immediately. We don't don't have time for someone to, to, to muse over what we've just asked them and to give a considered response. We want the instant response right now. There is a time for us to remain silent. There is a time for us to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate. We hate what is wrong. As simple as that. Anything that dishonours God, anything that displeases him, we hate because he hates it too. There's a time for war and a time for peace. Well, there's constantly a battle going on. There's constantly this, this spiritual battleground that is being fought over. Jesus has defeated death, but we are, we are given the job of, of, of reclaiming the territory for the kingdom of God. We are given the job of going out and claiming person by person what belongs rightfully to the victor. There is still a battle going on, and we are very much involved in it. So why have I chosen that passage for a celebration service? Well, it's simple, isn't it? You see, when we think of celebration, we think of what it is for us. We think of the human celebration. We think of partying and arms in the air and whooping and and clapping each other on the back and congratulating ourselves. But actually, when we come to a celebration service, we are celebrating God. And sometimes the best way to do that, the best time for us to do that, is when we are at our lowest. In those moments when we feel utterly empty... Because that's when God can fill us up. If I, if I take this glass of water, it's can only be filled up that much. But if it's been emptied out, then it can be filled totally. If we are empty, if we are feeling low and lonely and depressed and empty, and we call out to God, then he's got an empty vessel to fill. And we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in our weakness, we are called to celebrate God. How do we do that? By being obedient to the instructions of Scripture. Give thanks in all circumstances, we're told in 1 Thessalonians. Give thanks in all circumstances. Not for all circumstances, not, not for the circumstances in which we find ourselves, but regardless of what we've got going on. Find something in life to be thankful, because God has always blessed, is always blessing us. God blesses us on a daily basis, on a a minutely basis. Every breath, every heartbeat, everything we have is a blessing from God. Give thanks in all circumstances. Pray continually. We have a Heavenly Father that wants to have an ongoing dialogue with us. And sometimes there is a time for us to be silent before God, to listen, to receive. But there's also a time for us to speak. God knows when we want to have a rant at Him. God knows when we want to to let rip without how frustrated we are with life and why we don't understand what's going against us. God knows what's on our hearts. And He'd rather us be honest with Him than just cover it up and pretend. So we're called to pray continually, to have this ongoing prayer relationship with God where he can speak to us and we can receive and we can speak to him and he can answer. We're called to serve wholeheartedly. Ephesians 6 verse 7, serve wholeheartedly as if you're serving God, not man. That's one of, that's one of the, my, my most read Bible verses because it takes, it takes any human frustration, any, any petty politics, any difficulties we've got with relationships. All of that goes straight out the window because everything we do, we do with an attitude that we're serving God. Like God's walked into the room and said, make me a cup of tea. And rather than thinking, make it yourself. We, we wouldn't, if that was God walking in, that wouldn't be our response. It might be if it was you or I walking in. But if it was God, we'd be, we'd be legging it for the kitchen. We'd be fighting over the kettle. We'd be offering him every type of herbal infusion or decaf or fully loaded or whatever. Tea, coffee, hot water. What do you want? What do you want? Can going to get your biscuits, not those ones. We'll get the decent ones out. We'll, we'll give you the best cup of tea you've ever had because we're serving God. And scripture says that should be our attitude when we're serving one another. We shouldn't just be on best behaviour. In the presence of God, we should remember that we are permanently in the presence of God. God is permanently present in us. We represent God. Our relationship with God has to to endure through thick and thin. And we need to celebrate that we have a God that says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Even when you're feeling as low as can be, still celebrate the fact that you are saved. Still celebrate the fact that your identity is in me. That I am your father. I call you my child. I call you by name. I know the plan, the plans I have for you. And yes, there is a time for all seasons. No, things won't always be absolutely perfect as you want them. No, you can't dictate your life. But yes, I am with you every step of the way. Each and every step of the way. And so when we're going through life, let's try and maintain an attitude of celebrating what God's done for us. Celebrating the fact that no matter what is going on in our lives, God is with us. We can trust in that. Because one day we will be blessed with understanding one day we will, be, we will have our eyes open and we will suddenly get it. We will suddenly see why we've had to tread the path that we've trodden. Why we've had to endure what we've had to endure. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Therefore judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring light to what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. There's so much about life, about the world, that we simply don't understand. But one day, it will be revealed to us. One day, we will suddenly see the world as God sees it. We will understand what God understands. That day will come. Our relationship with God is... It's almost like a marriage. In a marriage, you go through thick and thin. You go through hard times and you go through brilliant times. But that love never fails. That love doesn't leave you. In the same way with our relationship with God, we should never lose sight of the fact that our identity is in him. We are children of God. That is something to celebrate, regardless of where we are in life. We might not always feel like celebrating in the, world, in the way that the world would expect a celebration to look, but we can at least cling on in our hearts to the unshakable assurance that Jesus is Lord and that through him we are saved. I just want to finish with a passage from Revelation chapter 22. Actually, we're starting in chapter 21 and leading into chapter 22. And this is John's vision of what it might look like on that day when suddenly the scales are taken from our eyes and suddenly we are given that understanding. He describes walking through the New Jerusalem. He says, I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendour into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honour of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you that you don't cut corners, you don't hide from us. The fact that the Christian life can sometimes be a life of endurance rather than a constant celebration. But Father, we give thanks that actually we always have something to celebrate. We always have our identity in you. We always have your seal on our heart. We always have your Holy Spirit dwelling inside us. And we always have that hope that we will see you return to take your place on that throne, to renew us to perfect us, to refine us, and to call us home. So, Father, whatever challenges and difficulties we're facing in life, whatever fears or temptations or, or any, other, any other situations we find ourselves in, Father, we pray that you will help us to always remember, to give thanks to you. To pray always. To serve you willingly and joyfully. And to remember that whatever life holds for us, death holds no fear. Because you are our Lord, our Saviour. And one day we will be called home to dwell with you in that city for eternity. So with this knowledge, this assurance in our minds, Father, let our hearts be filled with joy. Let our hearts celebrate that we are your children, you are our God, and we are saved in you. In Jesus' name, amen.